Welcome into the Abyss with Sean Gilmore and his co-host, John Ward. Open your mind, both of your ears, and all three of your eyes while we discuss all things supernatural with our weekly special guests. We believe that we all learn from each other and we all have a lot to learn. What will you learn today? Here are your hosts, Sean and John. All right, everybody. Good evening and welcome to Into the Abyss. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Gilmore, and my co-host, John. How's it going, brother? Hey, Sean. It's going well. I'm really, really excited for tonight's show. We have on one of my favorite equipment builders in the paranormal field. Uh, We both love to use his equipment. Sean, you're actually the one that turned me on to him. Did you want to introduce our special guest for the night? But, of course, our special guest tonight is Jeremy Jones, the man from Paranologies. And, man, does he have some cool stuff. Uh, First, you know what? Before I start really getting into it, Jeremy, how's it going? How's it going with you guys? I'm doing great. Good, good. Awesome. So, so Jeremy, I I don't think that you need too much of an introduction, but um, I have to tell you, that one of my most profound experiences I've had with a piece of equipment was actually at the Monroe House with the um, with the 360. Um, and man, so it actually, I actually kicked myself for this because I'm sure you guys, you know Activision Paranormal, my old team. And we made our documentary at um, the Monroe House. And so... Um, we were doing a session in the the kids' room. I don't really know what that room is called, but where all the dolls are and everything. And I was getting interaction with my trigger object, the parapooch. And so then we got the um, the periscope 360 out, and dude, it lit up all the way around on command. And it was like we were cheering it on. And it was like one of the coolest things ever. And I had my my walking camera and I'm filming it. And then come to find out I wasn't filming it. I was just looking at it through the screen because it wasn't recording. (laughs) So I I don't know. I I like to toss that up to to the ghost messing with me, not my user error. So um, I kind of try to stick to that story even though it's probably not true. But, um, man, that was like one of the coolest things ever. And actually, so... We decided to do another session with Eric, and dude, we got some more inter- great interaction with the Periscope 360 in that same room. And dude, you know what? That video is one of our most popular videos; it has over a hundred thousand views. Nice, that is yeah, awesome. Man. So, so yeah. I, I just wanted to point that out, man, because dude, dude, the stuff that you make is awesome. People all use REM pods, and they all use a K2 meters, but but your equipment works differently. It doesn't just, right? So it works more off of static electricity, right? It does. And um, I I coined the term tribal electric field meter. Uh, Tribal electricity is is how they measure uh, static fields. So everything has uh, tribal electricity on it. Uh, We do as humans. 
um, everything around us. So it, it can actually be measured. Now, my thoughts when I developed the Periscope and the 360 and everything that comes along with it back in the day was that why not try to uh, detect something that we ourselves as humans can produce? You know, you and I can produce static electricity with our arms. Uh, we pop each other all the time. And, um, and so I developed a couple chips to make a, the Periscope when, when I first put it out. And I was, I was amazed at the results I was getting. So instead of just picking up a static field, I took it a, a bit further. I wanted to see where the static field was traveling. You know, we wanted to put it in doorways and things. And I, I want to know if this static field is coming towards us or going away. And that's how the original Periscope came out, where um, we can determine uh, visually with these rods that has sticking out of the Periscope if that energy is in fact moving from left to right or in turn coming towards us or away. So if we ask, Hey, can you come into our room and the periscope lights up from the outside of the room and towards the inside? Um, that's pretty good confirmation that we're communicating with something. Absolutely. <clears throat> now I, I had a situation and the periscope is one of my favorite devices too. I think I actually talked to you about this, Jeremy, a while back. Um, I was investigating up at Madison Seminary, and we had the periscope sitting <clears throat> in the middle of a hallway. And I'm not kidding; this th this thing stayed lit up, you know, on red for a solid ten minutes straight. I mean, it would go across, and then it would come right back to red, and it would stay there again. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not an engineer; I don't understand how this stuff works. But static wouldn't, I guess, stay in the same spot for that long. I wouldn't think so. I, I think that was a very you know, compelling piece of evidence that we gathered with it. It was really cool. I've, I've never seen one stay lit up that long before. It was awesome. Yeah, you and I, I remember having that conversation. And I, I have this conversation with, with people about that a lot because I it's very hard to try to reproduce that with your arm. You know, if you were to put it next to a periscope and some of, some of the communication that we get out of it, it it's hard to reproduce. And as scientists, you know, we like to try to reproduce our findings so that we can, we know if it's deemed paranormal or not. But as an engineer, I can tell you um, something had to be hovering a, a type of static field, which, by the way, the chip that I use measures between 17,000 volts to about 25,000 volts. It's in that range because static fields, people don't understand, are super high voltage. Uh, there's not a lot of current behind it, so, you you know, you're not going to die by touching it, but... Uh, with that range, it's really weird that something is hovering over you uh, or over the device for that long because most static charges, they discharge rather quickly, especially right. with humidity in the air and things like that. So it's just one of those unknowns. I Even if it, as an engineer, I can't tell you, um, you know, I can probably measure the voltages over it and tell you what type of static it is and, and things like that, but I can't tell you why it would be hovering over that long. That's, that's the right. hard part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. That's called the spectral. Sure. 
man, I look, God, that thing is, it is badass. And I hate bragging about stuff like that, but man, I'll tell you what, I will never investigate again without them. Um, and here there's so many different things and I'm probably going to miss a lot of my points, but the reason why I developed them is, uh, first off, for everybody knows that don't know, there's sort of an augmented reality style headset. So not necessarily virtual reality because what we're seeing is through the cameras. So it's more of an augmented reality because what I've done is I've taken two uh, full spectrum cameras. They can see an infrared and ultraviolet. Taken two cameras and, and placed them basically in front of the human eye. And behind those cameras are some screens. And behind those screens are lenses. So this is sort of how, if anybody's done virtual reality, that's how the virtual reality devices work, right? But without the cameras. Usually it's just uh, some type of input into those screens. Well, my thought was, okay, how cool would it be to, instead of walking around with like a five-inch screen in front of your face and everything else being black, how cool would it be to, to just experience what you're um, recording with your own eyes in 180 degrees? And not only that, if you think about it this way, how many times have you ever been investigating and you're holding a camera and you see a shadow or something move out of the right side of your peripheral and your camera didn't catch it? You know, you have to move the camera and go, oh, God, it's out of range. Well, the, the best part about these headsets is they're on your head and they're recording. So what you're seeing, if you see something move in, in the, while these headsets are on, you've recorded it. You've captured it. And there's been many where I'll, I'll see shadow figures and things. I'm, I just saw a shadow figure, and I know I captured it because I'm seeing through the, the screen that's recording. Um, not, uh, also, in lieu of the cameras, I also have what's called a phonopod. Now, a phonopod is a super sensitive headphone system with two microphones. Uh, it's, it's a pod style. It goes 1,000 feet, and I give everybody wireless headphones. And what we do is uh, you can set this pod in another room or wherever, and you ask questions. And you're going to hear yourself live also, but the whispering, you can whisper for 20 feet away and, and hear whispers come through this headphone. So I incorporated that into the spectacles. So not only do you have visual, but you also have a heightened sense of, of audio. You and I both know as humans, we have the worst senses compared to animals. You know, that's why we always see animals looking up in walls and animals doing certain things that we don't know what uh, field of view spectrum they're seeing or hearing. Um, so I thought, you know, let's go ahead and, and build something that enhances our senses as humans and allows us to capture uh, all of our experiences. And not only that, I, I, it took me quite a while to, to get the lenses down correctly because I wanted everything to be the actual scale that we see with our eyeballs. And believe it or not, that's hard to um, to replicate. So in other words, when I put my hand out there in front of, with the spectacles on, I want it to be the same hand as if I didn't have them on, size hand rather. So you can walk around with these things and not run into objects or, or anything like that. Like anything, it takes a little bit to get used to, even when you put on these VR headsets, you know. So you got to move slowly at first, but God, I, I tell you what, I will never, never again investigate. It's a, it's a whole ex different experience. Not only that, when you're holding a camera, uh, you're trying the best you can to whenever you're um, filming something. You know that you're probably going to make something for your clients or either turn it into a short clip. Well, with the spectacles on, you're looking around. 
you're not moving too fast because then you wouldn't be able to see. And the footage that outputs, you can almost just, there's not a lot of editing that needs to be done because it's going to be very smooth. It's exactly where you want to look. And there's just so many points, you know, that, that I love this thing. Um, originally I offered it with, with only the audio. And then I, I thought, you know, well, yeah, they are kind of expensive. I've got thousands and thousands of dollars invested in a prototype. So I, I don't know. I think they're out there for four ninety nine with audio. And, but I took the audio feature off. So if you just wanted to experience the video, I think they're like three fifty something, you know, which is strange, but, uh, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just get it video only, and of course you can add. You can send it. I can add it later. But I wanted to make it more for everybody, you know, to experience because it, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well you know i might want to mention i don't know if i did uh or or if we'll even have time to talk about it plus i'm a rambler so if i ramble you just tell you just stop me (laughs) because i will but uh we are about to start a new rental program um we're going to start renting out equipment and uh uh, the spectacles will be included so it'll be uh, we don't have it all on paper yet but i'm thinking about 10 20%, 20%, I don't know, of the product that you would have to put up front to rent it. And then, of course, that will come <laughs> just if you end up wanting to keep them or you just send them back and rent them for your next investigation. So that's going to be our next uh, thing here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, actually. We've been we've been working our butts off trying to get that, that done. Yeah.
Okay, so I'm going to stop here. I just got a message having audio issues. So, um, I guess they weren't hearing me. Um, can we do a quick test? Hooray for technology. <laughs> can somebody respond in the chat if you can hear me? Maybe, because, here we go, hold on. Okay, so now I just got confirmation, they can hear me now, and can you hear Jeremy? Jeremy, can you just... Yes, one, two, this is Jeremy, can you guys hear me? Awesome. So, now that you guys can hear me, basically, um, I don't know what was going on, um... But, yeah, my mic wasn't on. So I think they heard you guys, just not me. So, <clears throat> so basically, guys, what we were doing is we were just doing a moment of silence um, because it's 9-11. Um, I, I gave a whole, like, spiel about it, and now I feel kind of silly. But um, I because it is September 11th, um, I wanted to show respect to all those who who have lost... And all of those who were lost and for uh, everything that has happened since then. Because our country has been through so many changes since uh, since that day. So, um, I don't know if I want more dead air. <laughs> but we're going to yeah. do it for our nation and for all those lost. We're going to do it because now you guys know why there is dead air. Um, so, just to give this moment of silence... To, uh, to everybody and our, our great nation.
All right, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, um, so now that everybody can hear me, I wonder how long my mic wasn't working. Did I hope you guys heard the intro. I, I told a really cool story um, about about some of his equipment. But I, I backtracking just seems silly. So um, we're just going to move on. Jeremy, um, the uh, equipment that you wanted to, to show us. Uh, sure. Um, I do have a piece here. Uh, I was wondering, though, before we moved on, if you wouldn't mind, I had a couple somewhat. I have a, a story about 9-11. Oh, that I wanted do. to share. Is that yeah. cool? Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is crazy. And um, so it was actually the night prior to 9-11 happening. Um, I was, uh, first off, I, I dream a lot, and my dreams are very vivid. Uh, a lot of my equipment, including the Periscope, uh, came to me in, in dreams. So um, usually when I wake up from dreams, I'll write them down. I have quite a collection of, of my dreams. But this particular night, the night before 9-11, when a tragic event happened, um, I was walking. Now, this was downtown. Uh, I live in, in Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I was walking through downtown Dallas, and I remember looking up at these giant buildings and just being in awe. And uh, I, I walked between the buildings, and there was just uh, like a, a perimeter of buildings in a, a square pattern, and it was all grass. And I was like, man, this grass. And I know you're not supposed to see color in dreams, but, but I felt like I did. Well, the grass was bright green, and I remember going in there like, i got to touch this grass. So I, I walked between, between these high-rises and started filling the grass. And next thing I know, the ground was rumbling. And I was like, wow, what is that? This is crazy. And I look up, and my grandfather was in the Air Force, so I recognize uh, different types of uh, planes and things and jets. And, but I looked up, and there's a B-52 bomber uh, for some reason. And it's really low, and it it crash-landed right in the, this perimeter building in front of me. And I could feel the explosions, the heat, everything like that. And I woke up, and I started telling people about it. And uh, I told my dad about it. I called him immediately. And then, sure enough, the next morning, is I woke up to the news of, of uh, 9-11. So it was quite it was a weird experience. You know, That's crazy. That- I, I I've always dreamt in color, so it's funny that you say that. But uh, same, that same. that um that day, since we're kind of on the subject, um, this is long before I knew I was an empath, and um, I was I I was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, and my roommate comes out of the room. Oh my God, we're being attacked! We're being attacked! I I fell asleep on the couch. Um, you know, I, I was in my young twenties, you know, so I was at the bar the night before and whatever I was on the couch. And so, um, they turn on the TV. I'm like, whatever is it? You know, it's just an accident, whatever. And then they're like, Oh my God, another plane just hit. And so I rolled over and I start watching the TV. And what I saw from there on out was the most horrific thing. I mean, watching this unfold live. And oh yeah feeling what I was feeling coming from the TV and not, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that, that this was horrible. And it's like what I look back to it now. And it's just such a horrible, powerful experience. And uh, I remember going to work 
And uh, I was just really upset because I, I couldn't get the image of these people jumping out of the windows of this building. And, uh, and now being an empath and understanding more of why I felt it so strongly and why it affected me so, so much. So it, it was, it, it was, man, what a rough day that was, you know, I, they, they say, always remember, but man, if there, if there was a day to forget, <laughs> um, yeah. because of the, the feelings, it's horrible. I mean, you, you, you have horrible experiences in life. You just want to move on and kind of go from it. But, but when you have historical things like this happen, you know, you have to remember it so that history doesn't repeat itself. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I uh, I remember that day just like you going to work. Um, I was in fear actually of they hadn't uh, landed the planes yet. They hadn't stopped them from from uh, taking off and things. And I was in fear driving to work of a plane. You know, we we were still hearing of all these planes crashing throughout the United States and. I remember being in some major fear of that, and I remember um, finally when they landed all the planes, just how eerie it was, not seeing any, and then um, and then people, it, it changed everybody's lives, obviously. And yeah. even to this day, I look back and see videos, new videos coming out. I watched one recently where, I mean, it, it was like an HD video of someone um, walking around before the tower fell and afterwards, and my God, the experiences that they must have uh, felt. It's crazy. Oh, and afterwards. Absolutely. The news afterwards for months on end. It was, it yeah. was all it was about. And it was just, it all just unfolded. And it, and then it turned into this big, horrible war. That, that yeah. man, I, I just, wow. Wow, and there's so many conspiracies behind it. And, yep. and it's it makes it very hard to really believe what's real because it, I mean I, I'm not big in conspiracies I, I'm but I do know that we only know what we're told we only know what's put out there so who knows what the real truth is when it comes to really anything so that that's a, <laughs> one reason why I don't watch the news a lot uh, <laughs> either I'm with you. So it's, so it, it's, it's tough. And when, and then you see how much everything has changed. Have you traveled before 9-11? Before 9-11, yes. Uh, I did travel. Um, I think the last trip I took was actually to North Dakota. At the time, my engineering firm I was with, we were, um, we used to do work on those million dollar um, RVs wow. and circuit board, board work for that. But uh, after nine eleven, uh, I haven't traveled since, and I'm terrified to really? be honest. To get on wow. plane. yeah, I, I have, See, have not traveled since on planes. Back then, uh, I worked in retail then, and um, so I, I had to go to work in a store in a mall. Um, so that that was definitely interesting, and. Uh, um, they ended up letting us go, but before I moved, to, when I moved to Phoenix, I literally packed everything I had in a suitcase and put my mountain bike in a box, and I flew from Cleveland to Phoenix. And I had about fifteen people that walked me to my airplane, literally to where you get on the airplane, 
and they all said goodbye, and it was really cool. And then, little did I know that that would be the last time that I or anybody yeah. else would be able to walk with it. Well, for me, anyways, um, up to a, a gate like that. And, and yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You would see all sorts of people there. You would go and meet the person at the plane. Now you have to meet them outside. You have to drive around the parking lot in circles until the person you're picking up from the airport is out out of the airport. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know. I haven't I haven't been in the airport since. I've dropped people off, but no, since that day I I haven't done it. Yeah. I I have panic disorder also. Uh well, not also, but I, I have panic disorder. I get panic attacks every once in a while for no reason. And I know if I got in a plane, that would kick in pretty quick. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. One thing I've learned by traveling, because I don't, I don't travel a whole lot by plane, um, but when I do, I, I end up drinking a couple Captain and Cokes. And it's pretty pricey, but you know what? You don't need a lot. It takes less to drink when you're up in higher altitudes to get a buzz. And uh, I, I take advantage of that up in the air. So... <laughs> And it's 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 actually kind of cool. Like, so you get a buzz up in the air, and then when you land, it's like you're sober. And it's there's, yeah. I don't know. Even even as a old forty year old man, I still have that same experience. So, <laughs> um, but traveling is definitely more nerve wracking, and you, it, it it really opened our eyes. I think that that we were were really almost ignorant to the dangers around the rest of the world here in America. And that, that showed us. That showed us that we're, we're not invincible. And, and things that happen around the world, guess what? They happen here too. Yep, that's correct. That they definitely proved that. Yep. John. Uh, yes. How do you, I know that you're, you're a little bit younger than we are. How do you remember that day? Uh, remember it uh, just like it was yesterday, just like everyone else. Uh, I was much, much younger than you guys, uh, obviously. I was uh, in sixth grade English class, and uh, the news broke. And I just remember my English teacher turning on the TV and putting it on the news, and everyone's parents coming into the school and picking them up. And uh, my parents didn't pick me up, you know, I was still stuck at school, but... Um, no, um, it, it's different for me, too, because <clears throat> my wife, Hillary, actually grew up on Long Island. Was you know She was about an hour and a half, two hours away from New York City, so she, she was up close and personal with that whole thing. And uh, she's had several family members that were firefighters, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough day, for sure. Oh, 100%. I, I, I had friends who were um, going to uh, college in New York, and one friend was... Uh, going to school to be a, a music engineer for uh, recording music. And uh, his apartment, he saw everything from his window. Oh, wow. Right. Man. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. And... Uh, but I enough know. of the sad talk. Let's let's go. <laughs> right. Jeremy <laughs> has a wonderful device. What do you got? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with John here. 
I mean, it's great to talk about, though. It's great to talk yeah. about because so so many people experience it in so many different ways, and it, it hit everybody in different ways. Um, I know um, my wife; um, she's um, she was in high school still. Uh, I think she was like a senior in high school or something, and she she her parents were out of town, and I remember her expressing her stories. I mean, everybody has a story and how it, all different ages and uh and how it affected them and it still affects us each the, to this day so and and it's important that that we i mean there's just so much that even if we take it to a paranormal level right think about mm-hmm. the the imprint that some that something like that leaves behind so oh, yeah. I mean, now it's just, in history books there's oh. kids in high school that are that are now that weren't alive when it happened, and they're learning it, you know, as a piece of history. It's 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 crazy. It is. It is. I I couldn't imagine going to the uh, going to New York City and going to the site and going to the memorial. I bet that that's that's insane. I, I've been to D.C. and I've been to the memorials there. I've been to the Holocaust Museum, and uh, that stuff hits you hard. I, I couldn't imagine. I don't know. Maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll take my kids. Because <laughs> that's it's important to understand. So, like John said, moving on to better and happier things. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, so... So, that, <laughs> you, you, you wanted to talk about um, one of your newest Poltercoms, correct? Correct, yeah. Um... For those of you that don't know what a Poltercom is, I can explain that as well before we go on to it. But, um, so, I, if you don't mind... Uh, hold on, before you start, I know I told you to start, but, but guys, keep in mind, he he takes an idea of something that we use and he turns it into something of his own and makes it work in ways differently than equipment that's already out there. So... Um, just keep that in mind, and um, and then you he comes up with these ideas, and then you see these ideas come up from other places because these ideas are that good. So I'm sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there. That's all right. No, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, the Poltercom is is a type of spirit box. Uh, everybody should know what a spirit box is if you're into the paranormal um, type of ITC device. And what it does is uh, people are taking just regular radios and they're making them what we call sweeps. So in other words, they either go forward or reverse um, at a certain speed uh, through the radio station. And what we're looking for are um, communication to our questions that are somewhat intelligent. In other words, if a radio station pops up and you, you can tell it's, part of either radio chatter or a song but if it comes up and we say hey what color is the shirt i'm holding up and it says the shirt is blue you know that's something different that's obviously uh some type of communication we're getting that they're using through the airwaves or i I have no idea really how how it works but i do know that i've had some pretty good experiences with the spirit box itself and moving on i have never actually liked spirit boxes um when you know, I've I've been I, I've owned Paranologies for ten years, and prior to that, my um, 
yeah, I've had a team just like everybody else. And, and so I kind of knew that what we're dealing with is pareidolia with the radio boxes, uh, as, as far as making up something, our brains are making up words, right? Well, I did an experiment and this is kind of what changed my whole view on the spirit box. I said, okay, if this is really, um, something where the spirits are communicating with this, I can prove this, um, or I can disprove it. Well, what I did is I took just some regular Radio Shack radios and I tuned one in and, and sought out how many stations it picked up. So let's say it picked up 20 stations. Okay, I've recorded those 20 stations. Now I need 20 other radios and I'm going to tune each one of those separate radios into these individual channels. So now I have 20 radios behind that and then the spirit box up here that's going to sweep those channels. I put a digital recorder on all 20 of the radios and the one that's sweeping, and I started them all at the same time. Well, what I noticed is that when I would ask questions on the sweeping spirit box, if I got a weird response, I thought, okay, if this is indeed radio chatter, I can go back and find it at this exact time code on these recorders and find out what word that was and listen if it was a radio uh, commercial or if it was a song or whatever. Well, I found that about five or six instances uh, I would get weird responses that I deemed as paranormal at the time. And I could not find them at that time-captured um, element on these other radios. So if I got a word that said, you know, Jeremy, let's say it said my name. Well, on this sweep, sweeping radio at time code five minutes, let's say, I should be able to go through all of these recorders at five minutes and find the word Jeremy somewhere. But I could not do that. So to me, that proved that, hey, there's something going on here. Um, sorry that took so long to explain, but, you know, it, it was one of those things that I couldn't figure out. Do you kind of understand what I'm saying about that experiment? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's... So I actually had that experiment on, on Paranology's website under the blog somewhere. Um, you can nice. check it out. But I – so then I'm like, okay, let's let's move on. Let's get into the spirit box aspect. Um I want to do something different, obviously. Everybody is out there hacking radios and doing all this, and I'm like, well, let's make it a little more interesting, interesting and add sensors to when it sweeps. So, in other words, my first spirit box, it was a Poltercom. I took an old analog uh, radio, and by analog, I mean it's one of those where you have to turn the dial by hand. It's not digital. Well, I took an old analog radio, and I put an uh, intelligent stepper motor controller behind it so i put a motor onto the dial and what's good about this is i can tell that motor controller that if it picks up a certain frequency um for instance a tribal electric field uh, frequency or a pyramid or any of the other sensors that i have if it picks up a frequency it's going to stop that dial and uh, or, or do what really whatever i want um so i put out the first poltercom and it was getting, I mean, the result, uh, matter of fact, the first time I turned it on, I had this video too. I almost teared up. The whole thing is uh, my grandmother came through, and, and I haven't had many people that passed. She was one of really um, most influential people that, that have passed. She always told me she would communicate with me, right? She knew what I did. So I turned this Poltercom on, um, and it was just in circuit board form. It started the sweep with the motor. And it must have hit some kind of frequency. It stopped and it said, in three different voices, mind you, it wasn't all one radio station. It, it, it used three different radio stations. It said, Jeremy. And then it said, where are you? 
and it was clear as day. I mean, you, I'll hopefully post the links later. And I turned it off immediately and like teared up, thinking, "Holy crap! You know, this is actually happening. I'm, I'm communicating, or, or at least I'm able to hear one of my loved ones." Cause for me, at least, that's my ultimate goal. I'd like to speak to the people that I loved, and uh, you know, I miss them, and I'm sure other people would too. But not only that, when we go to help our clients as paranormal investigators, how cool would it be to be able to let them talk to their loved ones and and things like that? So that first happened with the the first poltercon I put out, right? Then I started getting into um, uh, the poltercon was more of a artistic style box. I, I will be the first to admit it's expensive. Uh, I think right now it's four ninety nine, and then they go all the way up to fifteen hundred dollars, depending on how you want it built. But um, they take they can take up to two years. Some of them to build. I built one that was out of solid copper. Um, we tumbled it for three months, polished it. A couple more months after that, I added more design to it, and then of course the electronics and. And so a lot of people buy these poltercoms just for the artistic aspect, not even for communication. They communicate well, but that's kind of the deal behind the poltercoms. Um, you know, I'm up to 70 now. Each one is serial numbered. I, of course, have number one. <laughs> so, but uh, each each one is serial numbered. I'm I'm up to 70, and you know, I thought you know more people need to experience the poltercom. So I put out what was called the Poltercom Progeny. It's a handheld Poltercom. It's not as detailed. It doesn't have the processors and things that people like, uh, but it is a Poltercom, and uh, I've sold quite a bit of those. And then moving on, I, I've got the Poltercom, uh, the Polterpod, which is a manual tune. A lot of people like manual tune. Well, they'll just grab old AM, FM radios, and they'll tune manually um, back and forth and just, See what happens if, if you're an empath or something like that. I'm not. I know you are. But, you know, sometimes they can guide you with that. It's just sort of like the Ouija board. And so that was a big hit. Um, my, the very first person, one of my good friends, Ian, he's on my team as well. He's the one that sh- it showed me this manual tuning, and I couldn't believe the responses we were getting. So every Poltercom, you can also turn the motor off and manual tune as well. So then I started, you know, I started getting bored with, with myself with uh even though it has so many things i like to break communication barriers and come up with new things like you were saying and i wanted to write a code that would take the stepper motor and randomize the movement of it and so in other words i i wrote a code it took me about four months to write um it will eventually uh it will eventually loop but i think it was like 150 years so you'll never see it loop but it does, so what the cool thing about it, it'll turn the dial, it randomizes the code, but not only that, if it does see static electricity or some type of field, it'll randomize the code again and again and again. And what I learned um, with, this new, with this new box, it's called the Poltercom Pico, uh, is that the communication, I have never ex- experienced communication like this particular box. From the moment I built it, um, which was actually an accident, I... Um, I wanted to make something really handheld. Uh, everybody uses the SB7 and the 11 and things like that. And so I wanted something, you know, about that size. But instead of having dials everywhere, and, and I want it simple. You turn it on, it communicates. That's it. You got a volume control, AM, FM, and you're done. 
And the minute I turned that thing on, it was just spitting out words that, that I knew it was cussing, you know, I get the F word shit, all these things. And, and that's kind of how you know that you're not getting more potty mouths at our house. So they're probably, you know, following our lead, but <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So the one now, of course you guys can't see it, but I'll, I'm sure you can find it. It's called the Poltercom Pico. I, it's introed at uh, 129. You can get them now for 129. I put them out Friday. I'm already up to 80 of them sold. Wow! It's wow. yeah, they're incredible. Oh, and I, I'm hoping they get they get out there. You know, I don't I don't make much profit off them because I'm trying to get them out there for communication. But it's 3D printed. Everything that I have is 3D printed. We I used to do vacuum molding, and it was very time consuming as as the company built. You know, obviously I had to go into 3D printing, but this is actually 3D printed out of wood filament. So it's 90% wood and 10% uh, plastic. That's how it extrudes through the 3D printer. Cool thing about it is once it's printed, I take a torch, you know, and I you can actually uh, heat it up and it'll turn black and j as if it was set on fire. It looks really, really cool. Um, so it not only does it look really cool, but it sounds, it sounds amazing. And, you know, we'll try some if you want. See if you guys can pick yeah. it up over <clears throat> the deal. Oh. <clears throat> Yeah, let's let's do it. I'm game. You want to see what we got? Okay. So on the front dial, obviously you can't see it, but um, the front dial, it does move when you're visually looking at it. It moves on the different channels. You can see that. And then um, so it's going to sweep. I'll turn it on. I'm not going to ask anything at first. We'll just see what we get. And if it's too loud or whatever, just uh, let me know. I'll turn it on now. Okay. Awesome. So, Rick, wait, real quick before you start, um, this this. This device, it's actually small. It's handheld. It fits in your hands. Um, you right, see, yeah. it looks like an old-fashioned radio dial. It's a circular dial. And yeah. um, there is an antenna that sticks out of it. And, man, the thing just looks really cool. Um, so I, I did post a link in the uh, show chat. And I did post a link for the uh, Poltercom Pico in the uh, Facebook event as well. So um, hopefully make it a little bit easier for you guys to see it as we're uh, as we're displaying it here. So yeah, go awesome. ahead. Let's let's see let's see this All thing right. in action. Well, here we go. I'll turn it on. Like I said, I'm not going to ask any questions or anything. A lot of times, now you guys can't see my house either, but I'm a avid antique collector. I have quite a bit of money invested in in, in antiques, and uh, right behind me, um, I have a 500 year old what's called a Chinese wedding bed. And it's made with um, 80 pieces, and they're all hand-carved. And uh, so that's sitting in my bedroom. A lot of times, it's really weird. I'll get Chinese or Asian voices coming through here, here oh. or I'll get things that apply to things in my house. So I'll know, and if I hear a keyword, I'll kind of let you guys know, hey, that probably applies to some of the stuff in my house. Cool. And if and not, if you guys something, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, so first... As we're doing this, listeners, if you hear something, please comment. And with that being said, I don't want you guys to think I'm ignoring your comments. Um, I have a... Oh, Fred, I am sorry if I say your name incorrectly. But um, Fred Scheidenberger um, Jr., he says that your equipment has helped us as investigators exponentially. And thank you for the Spirit Recon and can't wait to purchase more. And uh, Brian Mersall, he's asking, how does all of these compare to the portal? Okay. 
Uh, well, first off, thanks, uh, Fred, for your support and everybody else out there. Um, you know, of course, I couldn't continue without you guys. This is my, this has been my sole job for the last seven years. Lucky. So I, um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, it's not true. It's not luck because what you do is is awesome. It's true talent, but still lucky because I have to work my freaking crappy day job. <laughs> <laughs> I had one man. I was an engineer for ten years. And, oh, I had fifteen bosses, and oh god. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I am lucky. But anyway, uh, so Brian, compared to the portal, I assume you're talking about. Uh, I'm not sure here, but the portal, from what I know of it, it's basically an amplified speaker that has a echo processor, and you can input your own radio into it. Um, so. The difference here would be this is an all-in-one unit. It's much smaller. You turn it on and, and you're good to go. On the portal, you're going to have um, echo, reverb, really whatever pedal, guitar pedal, I say, because a lot of people use guitar pedals as processors to attach them. The portal is more of a um, it's a unit that anybody can build. Uh, you would have a hard time trying to replicate this. Just because of the amount, there's two motors in this. There's a preamplifier, amplifier, small computer in there that controls the motors, um, all kind of uh, crossovers to make it sound good. So the point is, the portal and this really are, they're not the same at all. You may be able to get some of the same responses. I don't know because a lot of people use apps. I have a Poltercom out, out there, also, but a lot of people use apps and input them into the portal and, and things like that. But this is mainly an AMFM communicator device. So uh, it's, it's a whole lot different than, than the portal, if that clears it up, hopefully. Uh, nothing against the portal. You won't ever hear me talking bad about any of my competitors out there. Or, you know, I love innovators. Um, if you can come out with something better than I can or, or a new device, that's awesome. That's how we get closer to our goal as a whole. I'm not going to rip you off. That is my number one thing. If I see some, I could rip off everybody out there if I wanted to, especially being an engineer. And I'm sure some of the larger, like digital dowsing and things like that, could rip my stuff off. But, uh, you know, we kind of have an understanding together that we're trying to move forward without copying everybody's devices. You'll see a lot of people copy my devices and I get, I, I throw some rants sometimes on Facebook because it's, it's very frustrating when I spend 10 years on something, someone buys it, reverse engineers it, and then makes money off it. It just, oh, God, that, that ruins about a week of my life. I've gotten better at trying to ignore it. <laughs> it does. And, you know, the first people thing people say is, well, you have a patent, because I do. I have a, a Periscope line. Well, that's all good and great if that person has something I can go after. If they have no money or it's going to cost me more money than it is, then it's worth suing this person. So it's, it's, it's a horrible game out there. But I have the respect for those builders out there that come up with new things. Um, you know, I'm never going to copy you. I respect you. And uh, moving forward, that's, that's how we're all going to get somewhere different. Where are we? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we're we're about to display your uh, the the Poltercom Pico. Um, Brian said, "Yeah, we're looking to get a portal or something of that type." But if this is all in one and unique, I don't know why you wouldn't go with you. So that's pretty awesome. Cool. 
hopefully yeah, hopefully we got you some business man um and brian's cool. a good guy um so and uh he i actually met him when ectovision went and spoke to the um it was the it was the paranormal club at his college um at john carroll university um in cleveland so um he, he's a good guy and uh, an awesome investigator I've, I've investigated with him a couple times so um hopefully i get to investigate with him again and hopefully with uh with the poltercom <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so yeah right. man, let's, let's see let's see this thing man let's, yeah. let's see uh, how All it right. works I'll, I'll turn it on. Let's just see what we get. We may just get a bunch of radio chatter, and we may not. Maybe this will uh, ring a bell to someone in chat also. And uh, you just let me know uh, in chat or, or you guys if it's too loud. And here we go. I'm going to turn it on now. God is Mike. Wow. How's the sound sounding? Sounds good. Okay to me. I mean, if it gets too loud for the listeners, I can turn your mic down. So don't worry about it. So keep in mind, I'm going to turn the volume down for a second. Keep in mind, this is randomly sweeping. I have no control of what's happening. God's. That's twice I've heard God. God in the Psalms. All right, let me see if we can get some communication. If there are any spirits here next to me while I'm using uh, this ultracom, you should be familiar with it. Can you do me a favor and just give us a hello? Hello, sir. Hello, sir. De México. Can you say one of my friends' names that are here with us? Maybe a, a curse word. These are always great, especially if they come through live, because uh, I've done many events where <laughs> there'll be right. kids involved. They'll clearly know what it says. <laughs> so it's okay to, uh, you know, to, to curse. Can you give me a curse word? Yep. Break free. 
what's cool though is we can all when we look back that's when all the messages come back sometimes you don't hear them live that's true can you say uh can you tell me what's behind me i have a giant bed are any of those spirits here with me um during my conversation right now oh but you wouldn't Good, no, we're doing more cheeky. That was funny. So, the audience got a record. Starving. Uh, and his cop. I'm starting to get a little bit better communication. I will say one time, uh, there's a. I've had some friends that have passed that, um, uh, we've had songs in common, you know, as well. And those songs where will come through also. Can do, can do, Is this technique easier for you to communicate? from bank. There was something, I don't know what it was. We'll, uh, we'll end it real quick. I'll tell them to get, say goodbye, but, uh, you kind of get the point. I mean, it's not just going back and forth and it's not, it's no longer boring. You never know, you know, what you're going to get as far as your communication because it's randomly sweeping. And, uh, instead of going up and down the stations and hearing the same thing over and over again, this really turns, uh, you know, ghost hunting fun again. I, it, I enjoy it. There was something there. All right. Well, if, uh, we're going to have to cut it short, but can you let everybody know goodbye or maybe a final message? What's funny is every time I do this, that's when they start communicating, especially on my live feed. Goodbye. You can, you know, obviously the listeners, you can tell what's radio chatter. And, you know, you could hear some things on there that were clearly commercials or music. But then again, there's those little blips and things, especially if you listen back, that shouldn't have been there. And the, the cool thing about it, is with especially with the Pico, uh, I've used two or three of them together. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But it's just, it's no longer... And I don't say they're all boring, but even some of my poultry comm sessions have been boring, just trying to adjust up and down. Or if there's no static electricity in the room, it may not hit at all. And this new way of doing the random sweep has really opened up doors. And I think once we get them out there in people's hands, you're going to see a lot more of them. That, that's sure. really cool. And um, I, I wasn't able to see it either the way that you were holding it, but I did watch a video 
on this before the show and and it's really neat to watch the needle kind of jump around and you can see how it's random and you can tell I, you know what being down um in the southwest you're you said you're in texas right and um you could tell because there's the hispanic speaking stations we don't have that up here in ohio um and so that, that's why when i first heard spanish it's like oh hey there's spanish and then i remembered oh yeah he's he's down there where they're gonna have that so um that actually makes it easier um to tell the difference um at least um for me because i don't know spanish and i would be able to pick that out as probably radio chatter very easily Right, right. Uh, but and here, I just I want to chime in real quick too about the radio chatter. Um, so it's only happened once, once out of all the times that I've done an ITC or a Spirit Box session. But I actually we were investigating. I don't remember the location, but we ask a question and we get a response that sounded like radio chatter, and we acknowledge that on the video. We were like, "Oh, that's just radio, blah, blah blah." Well, I had a digital recorder running at the same exact time, and we played that back, and the radio chatter was actually in response to the question. I don't know how that works or how it would work, uh, but it was really interesting that the lyrics from the song actually was an answer to the question we had asked. So I, I wow, I, sh- I throw my shoulder, you know, I shrug it off, but I, I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. So here, real quick, guys. Um... I, we have some responses here. Uh, Brian heard it say, um, he, he swears he heard it say goodbye. Eddie Pence, um, he threw up a thumbs up, and he says uh, goodbye went through it. And, I heard uh, goodbye also. Yeah, yeah, I think I heard goodbye too, and then pretty much done. So uh, people people were hearing it. It'll be kind of cool to uh, to listen again and, and see. That's, that's part of what we do, uh, reviewing the evidence. So cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome, um, and that that is so cool. Um, now I'm looking at it at the website now. Now okay. um, I see this is powered by batteries, um, which is cool. Um, it can be inexpensive, but um, I know that you recommend you get the rechargeable batteries for all of your okay. equipment. Um, and now I see that there's also some uh, some hookups. There's a uh, there's an out. And it looks like it. Sorry, it's a little bit hard to tell. Yeah, so that's basically an out. Is that an AM and then FM? FM? Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. So, so what all does this thing do? So basically, if you want to have, you can have your own processor if you wanted. Uh, a lot of people like that Echo, or or even if you wanted to record your session, you can get you an eighth inch headphone jack, um, plug it in this out, and plug it into your your uh, digital recorder and record the entire session. I will say that most of the time, especially with my spirit boxes, they're loud enough that if you're running a digital recorder in the room, you're going to pick it up anyway. But if you wanted to get a little bit more clear uh, recording, then you can use that or you can use headphones. So um, you can plug your headphones in that device as well. And uh, and now the FM, I, I tend to be more, on the FM side, there's some people like AM. I don't get much AM out here, which which I guess if you get communication through it, hey, that kind of says something there if you don't get AM and you're getting talking through it. But I'm more of an FM, but I know a lot of people like AM, so I put AM on it too. Most of my other spirit boxes do not have AM. They're, they're mainly um, FM. See, but, I, I tend to go for AM myself, 
Reason being, because there tends to be less radio chatter on AM in the areas yeah. that I'm at. Um, so I, I, that's that's how I pretty much choose is where am I going to be. Now, I was at this old mining town in, in Arizona, uh, actually this past February, and I, I brought just a, a shack. You know, traveling across the country, I, I didn't bring a lot of equipment, but I, I brought... Uh, just a hacked radio, and I got absolute no radio reception, and I got um, some responses, which I thought was incredible. Uh, I've always been kind of a, uh, I, I've always kind of questioned the way that spirit boxes work because it's radio. You're getting stray radio waves, and of course, you're going to get words from a radio that is uh, flipping through random stations or most of them actually don't flip through random stations. They flip through yeah. uh, numerically. And so, but there was one time I was at the Kent stage and I was um, doing that and I asked for the owner's name and uh, one of the owners, her name is Rochelle. That's not something you're going to hear on a radio. And Rochelle came up through the radio. And that is when I was hooked. So, um, and now to throw in random sweeping that to me is makes it even more compelling so i need to check this out yeah sure yeah i can um you know as far as the batteries i do like you said everything of mine it pulls a lot of current there's a lot of things in most of my machines so you're going to go through a lot of batteries if you just buy them um off of you know the, the regular double a's uh i could put lithiums in there problem is it's more of a warranty nightmare if they catch on fire chargers might go out stuff like that um so that's kind of a pain but yeah um i i highly recommend rechargeable batteries save you some money too definitely sure. that that um as <clears throat> an investigator um i honestly I, i'm not gonna lie i tend to go to the dollar store because I go through so many batteries and just buy huh. the cheapest batteries possible. But again, using stuff over and over again, I can't use those cheap batteries on on my um, on my cameras. I can't use that on my. I mean, because you're right. The even on the Periscope, it goes through those batteries so quickly, and once those batteries get low, you don't know if you're getting accurate responses. So uh, I have yeah. learned rechargeable batteries is a good way to go. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Especially on these spirit boxes, because if this thing stops sweeping or something like that, you know it's time to charge the batteries. Uh, matter of fact, I just sent. There's two shows that are coming out soon, and they're they're going to have uh, they're each going to have one of these, and uh, nice. had some good responses the first time I turned it on. They called me; it was great, and uh, awesome. yeah, I, I've got um, you know the, the Poltercom is coming out in a feature film called the Malibu file and it's got some pretty big actors in it and they called me a while back and asked me it's kind of a lost footage type thing and so they found the footage and now they're going to find some kind of demon or something in, in, in a in a cave and they brought the Poltercom with them to communicate and it's going to be cool so the Poltercom will be in a huge film in theaters soon I'm going to check it out you said it's called the Malibu files yeah, the Malibu Malibu tape. Sorry, Malibu tape. Malibu tape. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah, type in the Malibu tapes. You should. It'll be on IMDb. Oh, okay, cool. The Malibu tapes. Yep. There it is. And it's awesome. Yeah, it actually showed a release date of second of this year, but it it hadn't been released yet. Awesome. I'm going to look deeper into this uh, after the show. It's so yeah. cool. And when it, it, I love when when movies actually get into um, actually using stuff that that we use in the field. Um, there's a lot of um, sitcoms and uh, other movies that are kind of like spoofs, right? And and uh, yeah. there are too many uh, serious movies like that. That's really cool. So I'm going to look into that. That's really cool. Yeah. And when I went to uh, when Poltergeist got re-released, it wasn't the best re-release remake, but it was all right. Um, I was in the theater, and actually, they used my Geopod without asking. They just I kind of tracked down before where they got it from, but it was it, they zoomed into the table, and there was my Geopod, and I screamed in the audience, and like everybody was looking at me crazy. But um, <laughs> I reached down, I reached out to the producers and said hey i would have sent you a whole lot more than that and and they they gave me like one or two words and and that was it i didn't really hear the whole story that you care but i thought that was cool it is cool and um rob lowe used it on in his show right yeah he did yeah <laughs> that show was yeah. Uh, interaction that was that was an interesting show um <laughs> It was fun to watch, and uh, Rob Lowe, he, he made me laugh a couple times because yeah, you know, he yeah, he scared he, he screamed uh, more times than I think I did at RCI in our video. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome! And so now with I don't know if you guys heard that. That was my daughter. <laughs> Yeah, we did. <laughs> she brought me some ice cream. They were out shopping. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice surprise. So, now with the Poltercoms, we've talked about those. Um, we've huh. talked about the um, Periscopes. Now... There's another one. It's the Automocon. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, uh, it's like yeah, a scrying okay. mirror? Yeah, it is. It's kind of a two-part thing. Now, I told you earlier that I'm um, into antiques, right? Well, there's these bird cages that were made in the late 1800s by the Germans. And they're called automatons. And so they're autonomous bird cages. They have all these gears in there, and it's crazy. When you first wind them up, the bird moves its head, it moves its body, and then also it has a, a geared controlled bellow in there that perfectly rep, uh, reproduces the sound of a bird chirping. And so it has, uh, you know, song and everything like that. Well, that's called the automaton. And so I developed the automacon which is, it looks like a birdcage. And it is also the, you know, the first random sweet spirit box that I put out. It was actually before this Poltercom Pico. So, did we lose you? I see John there. No, I, I just turned my, I, I'm, I'm eating ice cream. I don't want to make you guys watch me. 
<laughs> I get it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so it's in the shape of an old Victorian birdcage, and it has a big barrel in there that spins, and the, and the barrel has all these mirrors, right? Now, the first couple live feeds I did this thing, this thing were incredible. You can go back on my Facebook page and see when I, when I did the very first one and see the results we got. I have another device that I'll talk to you about here in a minute called the Praxinoscope that is nothing but scrying mirror uh, related. But with the automaton, it, it randomly sweeps. It's, it's a type of Foltercom also. This big barrel covers all the electronics. So all you see is this big barrel with mirrors turning. And it's, oh God, it's so loud because I'm using the barrel as a base chamber also. So it, it's one of the loudest spirit boxes I have. But when it spins, I was randomly taking pictures at the mirror. And my God, I will instant message you a, a picture if you haven't seen it. I captured this old man and he almost looked Chinese. He had this really long white beard and it was clearly, um, you know, there's always skeptics, so they're always going to say it's something else. But to me, it, it was clearly a person that I captured in this mirror in my bedroom, and it, the person's Asian. And so that matches up with the type of bed and, and all this Asian stuff I have in my bedroom. That was freaky. And the cool thing about it is I didn't even find it. Someone pointed out to me during the live feed, they're like, hey, did you see this? And they sent me an instant message, and I went back to it, and I was blown away. So the point is, uh, not only are you getting spirit communication, but hopefully you can, how cool would it be to be able to see who you're talking to also, you know? I don't necessarily know how that works, but if we don't experiment with it, we're never going to know. And that's kind of what I'm doing here, just making up a device that uses mirrors and this kind of audio and visual in, in one thing. Actually, I've started um, kind of experimenting with scrying mirrors too. So that's why this one kind of jumped out at me it seemed really really interesting um so and what was what was the other one that you're talking about okay so that's going to be a new piece that i haven't developed yet okay. this one's going to take a second to explain have you ever messed with water itc or mm -hmm. do you know about it yeah um you know people basically you the, the theory is you take a bowl of water, you put water in it, and you stir it up or whatever, and, and you take a picture, and you ask questions, take a picture, and in, in hopes that you get, well, some of these images that are going across the web for the last five years or whatever um, are really remarkable. Animal photos, uh, full backgrounds of villages, and it's just, you know, I want to see that myself. So right. uh, I'm developing a piece of equipment that does it for you. Um, it's going to have mirrors on it really cool looking it's a gothic victorian style like column that i built and uh so it has mirrors it has water on the inside that you can fill it up with a little bit of water of course you pour it out when you transport it but and it's also going to have lighting inside and this the spinning oh and a camera by the way it's going to have a camera that that takes pictures and a screen on top nice. so this device is going to spin the mirror spin which in turn is going to vibrate the uh the water uh, and also change the light frequency. Now, all of these things are going to cha be changed based off of sensors again. It's not going to just do it, um, you know, you're not going to have to do it manually, in other words. So you push a button, it's going to do its thing, and it's going to just start snapping pictures. And when these pictures snap, it's going to save them. And on the screen above you, it's going to show you what you snapped. 
So if you if it pops up and you you know like can you show me yourself and then this image pops up and you're blown away by it, you can always review it later because you have it's going to record it to SD card. But I wanted to dive into that because I've always been fascinated with some of these images that people are are, are getting with that water ITC. Uh, I don't know if they're real or not, but I, I've tried it myself. I've gotten some pretty spooky ones. But, uh, you know, who knows? If I put thousands of these devices out, we should be able to get a whole lot more evidence of that. And then if we can learn and understand how it works, that may be our gateway into uh, two-way communication. <laughs> the whole deal behind my devices is trying to break out of that mold of doing the same thing over and over again and... Yeah, some of my devices that I put out, they look crazy and they do some crazy things, but I'm not going to put them out there unless my focus groups have tried them for months and unless I get results out of them. Um, I could easily make a whole lot more money doing what I do by either copying people's devices and making them look better, making them function better, or uh, by just putting out something that, that doesn't do anything, but you know, I could randomly make it do something if I want and make people believe, but that's not my goal. My goal is to get us all collaborated using these devices and and making our own collection of evidence so that we can get feedback on them and, and build something better in hopes that one day we can just sit back and talk to somebody. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And and I, I loved how when you describe your your equipment you say well hopefully we get these out so that we can compare pretty much so everyone can share the evidence and and that's that's awesome and i mean of course as a business owner you want to sell your product but it's it's definitely seems like you have more meaning behind that other than just making your living so that that's awesome and and honestly that does show in your products because your products aren't like anything else that's out there they don't look like anything that's out there when someone takes something out of their equipment uh case and they pull out something from paranologies you can tell that's paranologies and so that's you've got a good brand going and it's awesome that the things that you do uh and it seems like you hit kind of all aspects you even have one with a pendulum the the pendulux that's another one i've looked at (laughs) Yeah, so, again, I'm, uh, like I said with the spirit boxes, I wasn't really into spirit boxes. Uh, I'm not too much into pendulums, but I can be if I put my spin on it and I start getting evidence on my own and things. What I wanted to do, the main thing with the with the pendulum, uh, I wanted to take the human aspect out of it. Now, a lot of people tell you that's how it works, is, you know, the human has to be holding it, and they're communicating with the human and turning it. I'm not a medium, a psychic, uh, and I'm nothing. I, I wish I could be an empath and, and a psychic and all that, but I'm not. That's why I developed these tools. So with the Pendulox, it's a suspended pendulum from a tower. And instead of just letting go of the pendulum and telling it to go, you know, circles or straight lines, yes or no, or whatever, I added a UV light to it, to the bottom of it, and it's a quartz crystal. And below that UV light is a glow-sensitive UV board, and it has things on it like yes, no, maybe. And uh, that way, you can use it in complete darkness. And so when you let go of this thing and you start asking questions, it's leaving a light trail behind it. 
and that light trail stays on for about five to ten seconds. So if it's doing a circle um, in complete darkness, a lot of people love to investigate in the dark. I do too. It's fun or whatever. Um, you'll be able to see that light trail. You'll be able to see what that light trail is doing. Maybe that light trail will spell initials or maybe, you know. So that's kind of my spin on, on the pendulum is just is making it um, visual and adding that little element of uh, somewhat of recording your session with light. Right. And actually, a lot of people do believe that with pendulums and with dowsing rods and using even even the Ouija boards, you know, that that people can be, uh, they call it the audio motor effect, right? And um, sorry, that may not have come out of my mouth correctly, but um, it, it's pretty much uh, you're involuntarily making the, the thing that you're moving um, to where you pretty much expect it to or where you want it to go. Uh, and so there's there's a lot of um, controversy with those items for that reason. And uh, I've heard a, a couple great ideas with people using pendulums by hanging them on like an ornament hanger or other items. Uh, but this this takes it to a whole other level. And um, I, I do like to investigate in the dark. I feel like it, it sets the mood. I, I have a theory where, you know, when... After you watch like a scary movie, and uh, you're creeped out, right? And uh, you kind of want to keep all the lights on your house and, and stuff, right? I feel like you are. They, they, it sets the mood, and when you have something like that, you are again unintentionally opening yourself up to the supernatural or the paranormal. And so I feel like being in the dark kind of does the same thing. And um, also, it's uh, it's just uh, having more more control of your environment. But um, I I do have dowsing rods that I use that light up, and I think John has those too. So being yep. able to use equipment in the dark, like the pendulum. I mean, um, I have a lot of friends that use the pendulum, and I know they would love to have something that they can use in the dark. So um, yeah. th this is an awesome device too. Uh, I, I don't think I could say anything, anything other than awesome about everything you have here. Um, you have an REVP um, device, which is a EVP playback device, right? For, like, burst sessions? Did I... Yeah, yeah so uh, let me grab a drink real quick. Sure. Man, I'm gonna, I want to try and jump on everything, man, because everything you have is so cool. And, like, you, if you guys go to his website, he has... He has, like, if you go to other paranormal store, online stores, and you look at the number of uh, different types of different equipments that they have, um, they, he probably has just as much uh, of a selection as them, but only it's all his, uh, his design and um, his take on what's out there. And there's so much stuff on here that's, that's, that's amazing. And, and actually... Um, after we talk about this REVP, um, I want to talk a little bit about your cameras and your IR alerts because that's a huge yeah. part of what we do um, as investigators. Sure. So it's actually uh, a lot of my stuff. I come up with some weird names, I know. So uh, it's called the REVP, and the reason for that it's replay EVP. So the REVP is a handheld device that. Uh, you know, I used to go into places 
and try to get instant gratification with my cell phone. You know, I'd walk in, push record on my cell phone, play it back, and hope that I could get EVP. Problem well, that is, with cell phones and digital recorders, they're not very loud, or they're going to be so grainy that you can't make out anything at the time, and you have to go back and do uh, production on them, and, and then, you know, you can present your evidence. But I wanted something where I can get almost two-way responses immediately, and the, the ReVP has record, play, next, and delete. So you go in. Uh, by the way, this thing has a microphone on the front and a highly amplified speaker. Everybody in the room is going to be able to hear the responses on this thing. Essentially, what I would do with the ReVP, I'd walk into a, a deemed haunted location. I would uh, ask, you want to ask a question first, because the microphone is so sensitive. It goes down the infrasound all the way to ultrasound. Nice. It's not your typical uh, 20 to 20. It's more like 17 uh, to 25. Uh, so in other words, infrasound is around you know 19 hertz. So this actually goes below it and above the hearing uh, of the normal human. Well, um, so the reason why I explain that is because if we talk with our normal voices on this thing and we play it back, it's going to be highly distorted. This uses the same um, schematic that I use on the phonopod, so it picks up whispering from 20 feet away. If I set a person at the end of a hallway and I hold this down and I let them whisper, it's going to play back their whisper, and I'm going to be able to tell what it hear, what it says. Um, because as you know, as you know, there's a lot of EVPs you wish you could hear, but you just can't. You don't know, um, you know, what what frequency they're at or, or things like that. This kind of helps aid in in that process. So when you're first using the ReVP, you tell everybody to be super quiet, and when they see the light come on, they don't talk. And when you hit record, it has a light, it lights up saying, hey, I'm recording. So we'll go ahead and ask our question, you know, like, hey, you know, if there's children here, if there's any children here, can you tell us your name? And then you hold down record and you stay silent. Uh, let off the record when you're done recording, and then you play it back, and you listen to the silence. Essentially, it should just be silence. However, the first time that I built this ReVP and I took it to, excuse me, a deemed haunted location, one of my clients, she said there was a little girl that would tug on her shirt and, and stuff like this. So we kind of knew what we were targeting. Went into this bathroom. I put the 360 periscope on the ground. And I said, hey, little girl, I put down a toy for you to play with. Um, can you please go touch it? And everybody was quiet. I, I held down the record button on the ReVP. And the periscope lit up. And not only did it light up, but it went in sequential order all the way around in 360 circle, almost as if I could visualize a little girl running around this thing or skipping around it. The reason why I say skipping is because when we replayed the ReVP, my client went to tears immediately. You could hear a little girl singing almost a lullaby, and you could hear her footsteps going around this thing. And it should have been complete silence. So... That's the kind of communication that this thing picks up, and it's it's really instant communication is why I developed it because nobody wants to go home and come back a month later and tell their client, "Hey, you have a little girl skipping around in your in your house." Whereas we could, the the client was there, so she could experience it with us, and you know, we could play it over and over again. So that's kind of how that works. Hmm. That's that's awesome, and it, it seems like a a lot of your digital recording devices have um they have uh ways of of capturing the the uh 
the higher or the less heard um, levels. And that's that's amazing because, um, yes, there are times that you want, that you hear something, but you can't quite make it out. And, and to have something out there that that can help you make something like that out is phenomenal. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a great tool for just that. For me, I want it to be very visual. I don't want to bring... I, I'm a paranormal investigator, so I might add that. I'm not just an engineer. I started off in 97 having my own team and helping out people. So when I am helping out those clients, I'm not going to take them a bunch of numbers that they're not going to understand. I'm not going to say, hey, I, I caught a 2.4 over here. They're not going to know what that is. Nowadays, they might because they watch a lot of TV. But back in the day, we didn't have the TV shows. So, so uh, you know, I could bring them a lot of different things that are not going to mean anything to them. My pieces are very visual. I want you to be able to see exactly what's going on, and then, and also I want them to be easy to use. That's kind of the point behind the RVP. You don't have to have, uh, you know, you don't have to take it to your computer later and do all this processing. I'll tell you what. Evidence review is, is a big part of what we do as investigators. But if there's anything we could do to make it so that there's less review, I'm 100% yeah. in. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll tell you a story. I do have something coming out that's pretty remarkable if we have time. And I'm, I'm good on time. I don't know about you guys. I, I'm good with time. We can, we can go all night, man. No worries. <laughs> okay. So I have a device called the TriCam. It's one of the cameras. That, I don't know if you've seen it in there or not. Mm-hmm. I built this about probably 12 years ago, and it was huge. I had to have a neck strap to hold it back then because we didn't have the technology we do now. The thing behind the TriCam was I wanted to be able to record everyone in the room and myself, the camera operator. So I put three cameras on it and three microphones. There's a camera aimed at the operator's head at all times, and there's two cameras aimed outwards, and these cameras are lined up panoramically on a screen. So when you're watching on the computer, it looks like 180 degrees. It's smooth. It's, you know, there's two cameras, but it's made it. It makes it look like one. It's, it makes it look like a wide-angle camera, but without the fisheye effect. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, the point behind this was we want to be able to show our clients if we bring them a voice. We want to be able to say, "Hey, if you look at this clip, the camera operator is in frame, and all the investigators are in frame." There's nobody else around. This voice cannot be explained. Um, there was nobody else in the house because we have other cameras running, things like this. And uh, so that's the point behind the TriCam. It's, it's really just giving them hope that we didn't create that noise. Because there have been many times where we're only investigating with digital recorders. And luckily, I always tell this story, but I one time had a, a digital recorder in another room it was probably two or three minutes away. And we captured an EVP that said something like, I want to kill you. It, it was it was bad. Like, you know, and I don't hold any evidence from my clients. So I knew during this review, I'm going to have to show it to them, and this is not good news. Well, before I did that, luckily we had other cameras and digital recorders going, and I time-stamped them. And all that EVP that reached that recording in the other room, all it was is one of my investigators having a conversation about something else, had nothing to do with kill you. But by the time the frequencies bounced off doors and things and reached that recorder, you could show anybody that it sounded like I will kill you. 
So those are the kind of things you got to be careful taking to your clients or whoever, because acoustics can be really weird and it can make you hear things that weren't really true. So what I did is uh, I developed a tricam. That way I can say, hey, you know, this is a true EVP. Nothing else is in frame and, and nobody else made that voice. And I've caught some phenomenal EVPs with that. My point was, you, you were saying that review, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is where it gets really cool. Let me finish my drink. I noticed that the configuration of microphones, I have one on the right and one on the left. And if you go to Paranology's blog, I explain this through a video. It's a whole lot easier to understand. But I noticed that when I got home reviewing the footage from the TriCam, that when I picked up an EVP, it was always louder on one microphone than it was the other. So in other words, if I had an investigator in front of me talking, they're generally going to be, a, if you look at waveforms, if you were to drop the audio file into Audacity or something, the wave files are going to be about the same peak, same frequency. Problem was, I got a couple clips that I knew were EVPs because nobody was in the room, and it was way louder on one side than it was the other. So I thought, all right, let's try this. Uh, do you, have you ever used those noise-canceling headphones? I have. Okay. The way those work is it has two microphones on the outside and, and two on the inside. And it compares the two sounds, and it flips the frequency. It inverts them, in other words. And when you take two waveforms and you put them together, but one is flipped, it's going to totally get rid of the waveform altogether. It's going to just be a straight flat line. Well, what I did is I took the audio clip or the stereo clip of this tricam of the deemed EVP. I took the right channel and I inverted it. Uh, it so it was a six hour investigation. I highlighted the right channel. I inverted that right channel and then I compressed it into a mono. Uh, track. Anytime you do that, you should have essentially just a flat line and there'd be no audio there. However, I noticed that because my EVPs were louder on one side than they were the other, I could pinpoint visually my EVPs on a six-hour investigation with a 30-second um, process. Wow. So it was really cool. I could go through and go, look, there's a blip, there's a blip, there's a blip, and I missed EVPs because because I didn't review the whole time. But my point is there is a way that I'm going to be able to review uh, EVPs at least. Um, I'm going to create a handheld device eventually that is going to do this process for you live. So if you ask a question and you get an EVP and that EVP is, in fact, louder on one side of the microphone or the other, it's going to notice that difference and it's going to spit it out. So if I say hello and this EVP says hello, it's going to replay hello immediately. So that's the kind of live communication that I'm after. I hope everybody didn't fall asleep out there. No, that's that's awesome. Uh, wow. I mean, you're always coming out with, with such great new stuff. So it's always cool to, to see that. And uh, you go on Facebook Live a lot to show these uh, different pieces of equipment. And it's, it's really cool. And uh, I... Man, I'm I'm glad that you found a lot of success with this because um, you make a lot of great equipment out available to us. That because I'm not an engineer, I couldn't build something like like the TriCam 
on my own. I could think, man, that would be a really cool thing to have. I walk around with a with a GoPro. It would be cool to be able to get all three of those angles. And actually, just before the show, I was talking to John about how I was reviewing evidence for from our investigation that we did at Madison Seminary. And I was telling uh-huh. about a voice that's really compelling, but I can't see everybody in the camera. It could have been yeah. somebody else in the room because there were quite a few people up up in the room that we were and we were we were doing something. We were doing a, a session with a, a scrying mirror, trying to do something different and and things. So um, everybody wanted to see it, and which is cool. And I'm perfectly fine with that. It just makes review really hard. Um, for situations yeah. like that. So if you have something like that, uh, man, it's cool. And actually, I, I'm looking at this on the website right now as, as we're talking, and it, it does exactly what you're saying. You see you see the the three different angles. And then it's important to have the person who's carrying the camera shown because then you could see their mouth moving. And, and that's really what you have to look for is that mouth movement because there's times when we will make a noise involuntarily, um, you know, maybe by accident. Maybe it's a yawn. Maybe it's uh, I don't know. Maybe um, you have a a cold that day, and you're you're you have your nose whistling or something. And you're not always going to remember those types of things. And with a camera, that'll help you kind of catch that kind of stuff because you can see someone take a breath in at the same time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, debunk is, is a big part of what I did for Activision. So um, that. The, the review is, is just so important and to have cool stuff like this and to enhance our experiences as investigators and it's just it's it's essential and so you make this available to us and um, it's just so cool and you have so guys he has so many cool stuff so much cool stuff on here and then he has accessories available for you guys he, he even has the rechargeable batteries on here for us um, he's got a, um, a, a digital recorder you can wear on your wrist called the phono band. I mean, guys, it just goes on and on. So check it out. Check out his stuff. I want to talk more about some more of your cameras though. And your IR candle cameras. Um, oh, wait a minute. The Vogue. I, I probably pronounced some of these things wrong. No, it's okay. It's I, I, <laughs> I, 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 with my day job, like I have to read things like so, like literally. So it's like, but this is the the Volk the Volk quarter, the Volk uh-huh. quarter Volk. dual digital recording EVP machine. Yeah, this is a cool looking thing, man. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of uh, time went into that design. Now, now this is really cool. I wanted a piece that was hands-free. It has two functions to it. It, it has a built. It has two micro. Actually, it has three microphones. It has uh, two digital recorders built in and a speaker. Well, I wanted to um, first and foremost have a device that you put out there, and if it picks up a voice or a whisper or anything like that, it immediately starts recording for ten seconds, and then it's going to play that back for ten seconds. So imagine being in a room, not saying a word, and all of a sudden you see this thing light up. Well, you know it's capturing something right now, and you're anxious to see what it has to say. And I've, I've had this happen many times. Uh, I've heard laughing and all kind of things. So you're sitting in the dark. This thing goes off because it's, it's heard something, so it starts recording immediately, and then it plays it back. 
Um, so again, you have almost instant gratification. Well, you can set this thing on a loop also. So you push a button and it'll sit there. It'll record for 10 seconds, uh, play it back for 10 seconds, record, play it back over and over and over and over as long as you want. But it has a, an option called Vox where it has, it has a sensitivity gain for the microphone. And I promise you, you can put this thing 20 feet away again because that's how I, I built my circuit for that. And you could turn that microphone all the way up, and if you say hello in a very small whisper, this thing's going to kick on and start recording. So most of your digital recorders, some of them rather, have a Vox option. It's just a voice-activated recording. But it does not have the frequencies that will kick it on in gear like the Vox option on the vocorder. And it plays back super smooth. It's really loud. This has a 32-gig uh, built-in digital recorder. So it's going to record your entire session. Um, but it's, man, it is something else sitting in a room by yourself in the dark or even having them spread out throughout the house and you hear them going off. You don't know what they're saying because you're not in there and you can review later. But you hear them going off and you know they're capturing EVPs and they're just playing them back immediately. So it's one of my favorite pieces. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um and now we have the wireless spectral observatory four channel DVR system. Um, I want to bring this up because I don't know too much about your illuminators and I want to hear more about your DVR system. Um, sure. I personally with Ectovision, we didn't use a DVR mainly for one reason. It's because it doesn't have sound. You don't record with sound. Does your DVR system have sound? It does. It has four channels of audio. Awesome. Um, yeah, everything's wireless on it. And, and, you know, the number one pain, the reason why I developed the system, is running wires. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it for years. I, I, I would run 16 channels, 1,000-foot wires. It would take you three hours to set up and another two hours to figure out why it's not working. And uh, the, the case is super small. I think it's like 12 inches wide by maybe 8 inches by four inches it's really small everything in there is battery operated including the dvr so if you're doing these investigations that don't have power um, the cameras run off batteries and the dvr itself runs off batteries the uh the cameras they go a thousand feet so you don't have to run a thousand feet of cable uh that does depend on the structure you're in if you're in a metal building obviously it's not going to do that but um it, general most homes you can investigate the entire home rather easily um they comes with power supplies so you don't have to uh, use batteries and the biggest part about it is that it's wireless um you know you don't have to run wires now a lot of people say oh you're going to get interference and and all of that well these actually code hop every few hundred milliseconds so you're never going to get i can't say never you will get interference you can always get interference in a wireless device but you're not going to get as much interference as you would if they didn't code hop, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, the stations, the, the base station that has the DVR on it, you can actually listen to the cameras individually. So let's say, um, you know, there's an investigator in there and they're like, hey, I need a flashlight. Well, whoever's at the command center heard that and they can bring you a flashlight. They, they're full infrared. They use our afterlight illuminators, which we'll talk about that later. Um, I'll tell you about how I developed the illuminators. And, uh, yeah, it's just, 
what I want is I want a system you can go in and be set up to do to investigate in five minutes. And this one does that. If you have the batteries in there, you simply turn the unit on. Even if you plug the cameras in, you're still within that five minute range, and you're ready to go. I mean, it's it's super simple to use. Um, it's not. I will tell you because it's a DVR. A lot of people know DVR is not going to be 4K. Um, there are some out there, but they're very expensive. Um, it's right under HD, and it's perfectly good enough for what we're after as far in night vision. You're night vision anyway, but. Um, yeah, it's not going to be these super high def cameras that you're getting because you got to remember it's trying to codec, uh, it's trying to send a wireless signal with audio and video and all compress it into one SD card. So that's a lot of work for a unit to do. It really is. And, uh, I'll tell you, like I said, the, the thing that I think is so that's awesome about it is a lot of DVR systems, they don't have sound. And so you, it's great. It's great to be recording visually, but I'll tell you, having cameras set up static and just recording with sound has gotten us so much evidence. And honestly, there are probably a couple investigations that if it weren't for us doing that, we wouldn't have had a documentary to show evidence on. So to have sound that was detrimental to us and so i that's why i brought that up it's awesome that they do that yeah yeah i i always tell people you have to have audio with your with your video just to back up everything um anytime i do an investigation i try to make sure that i have backup cameras covering not only with you know we have a tri-cam but you gotta you gotta have it or else you're gonna be presenting false positives a lot of them to people um, so that's my goal is to not present that. That's and that's I I don't know I think that that's awesome. I see that this this uh, package actually comes with a is that a screen that looks like an LED um, monitor does, yeah. of some sort. Yeah, so you can you can watch live and you can you can play it back and review right there live if you wanted to also. Yeah, so it's it's all in one unit and it it's. It's crazy. It's hard to see with a picture of the actual size of it. It is super small. Um, it's all packed in there, but yeah, it's it's really cool the way it works. Well, I, to be able to review and not have to bring a big uh, TV or monitor. I, I've been on investigations with people where they've brought um, TVs and uh, different size monitors for investigations, and this this just seems so much simpler. Um, I've never personally uh, gotten into to reviewing that, you know, live. But um, I, to me, I, that's just more convenient. So that's, I don't know. Yeah, it's awesome. And so now you said the uh, your illuminators. I, right. I see they they don't look like anyone else's illuminators out there. No, they're um, when I first developed what's now called the afterlight um they used to be called orbular illuminators but not a lot of people gonna say it so i scrapped that but i wanted to uh get rid of that you know when cameras first came out night vision cameras they always had that halo the circle in the footage and so it was bright within this circle the innards of the circle but on the outside it was always dark and that was the very first thing I tackled. That was one of my first pieces I put out on eBay. God, I don't know. Let's see what year. 
it was probably 15, 16 years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. What I did then, though, um, is I would take, I would vacuum mold a, a half sphere, and I would drill out holes by hand and pop IR LEDs in them. So they were on a 180-degree axis. And uh, so whenever you turned them on, it flooded the entire room, and the footage was super smooth. You didn't, you didn't have the halo. And that was one of the first pieces that I got recognized by at conventions and things because I would show my footage and they're like, hey, how, how did that, how did you get that kind of footage? That's so cool. Well, nowadays, of course, we come out with the high-powered IRs and they're, the angles on those are ridiculous. Um, so that technology has advanced tremendously since what I was trying to do that back then. Um, now with the advancement of 3D printers, what I did, instead of having to drill all these holes out, is I'm taking, I'm 3D printing a spherical dome. It's actually made out of um, uh, luminescent materials. So I'm putting LEDs behind that, and it projects, it, the flood on it is amazing. It just, I'm not after brightness with my illuminators. I'm after quality, and I want to make sure that there's no dead spots in the room because generally that's where you'll see footage of, I've seen many footage, uh, many clips of shadows in the background of people thinking it's shadows, but essentially what it is, they're moving their arm or something and it's catching an IR ray and it's creating that shadow. But with these illuminators, it eliminates a lot of those false positives and it makes your footage just a whole lot nicer. What people don't realize when uh, you see these illuminators, oh my God, they're so bright, which might be good for outdoor, by the way. These are not made for outdoor. These are made for indoor. Um, the uh, Your CCD chip in your cameras, they're going to take whatever brightness you're aiming at them, and it's going to dim it down anyways. So most of your cameras aren't even going to pick up the amount of brightness that your IR um, lights are out. So... Just having that knowledge with these illuminators, I'm looking for quality of footage is all. Okay, I mean, that definitely makes sense. Um, and it seems like there's there's definitely um, a lot of different types of illuminators out there. And um, so we, we have our pick as investigators. And so it, it, it's hard. A lot of people don't uh, really fully understand the difference and and how much lighting affects the the quality of your picture and also how much it, it can affect when you're investigating. So, um, it's yeah. Again, Absolutely. quality is is what's important. It's over quantity when it comes to light. So yeah, I that's uh, again um, another great product. Um, Man, I, dude, I could just keep on. I could just pick apart your entire, <laughs> your entire <laughs> website. Here, There's just so much cool stuff here, man. Uh, now, one one thing I, I wanted to ask you on okay. the uh, going back to the periscope. If you go yeah. to the original periscope, you see that there's Roman numerals. Now, I know that the Roman numerals are part of your your logo, but. Mm -hmm. Do those Roman numerals mean anything on that equipment, or are those just design, like, for looks? Well, it, I designed something based off of my heritage, which is Scottish. Uh, my 24th great-grandfather was uh, King Bruce of Scotland. So I have all the 
you know, I have a long generation of, uh, of that leading back to King Bruce. And so I've taken my logo and kind of some of the aspects of the Scots and turned that into what the Paranologies logo is now. The Roman numerals, um, I originally intended for the Poltercom because the dial spun. And I had a program on the Poltercom where you could ask ask it to land on a certain number to make sure you're getting the communication first, kind of as a start. So I'd turn it on and I'd say, okay, just so we know that we're in communication, can you stop it on Roman numeral seven? Um, you never know how old the spirit is and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, not only is it designed, but it, it does have function also. And, and the part of my family heritage is also. That's awesome. Uh, my family is Scottish. My dad was uh, literally half Scottish, half Irish. Um, my grandparents were fresh off the boat. So uh, <laughs> I, that's that's awesome. That's really cool that, that you bring that into your product. Yeah. Thank you. Now, I see here there's an app. Yeah. Uh, if there's one thing that makes me weary, it's apps. Right. Yep. To me, there's a lot of different things uh, that can, with when you have a phone and internet all connected, there's just so much in there to me that that makes me kind of very skeptical to those. How does your app differ from the other apps that are out there? Well, originally, because I'm I'm you know kind of the skeptic too on apps, I wanted to put out a lot of people can't afford equipment, right? So they have their phones and they use a lot of apps. Um, so I wanted to be able to give people a Poltercom in their hands and kind of experience how a Poltercom works before they purchase it or even if they can't purchase it. What I did is I recorded an ungodly amount of hours of a, of a Poltercom, of a Poltercom session being recorded, right? So, He's another Scott that <laughs> he actually developed the app for me. I'm not an app developer. But he did a really good job emulating that Poltercom. And so I would send him hundreds and hundreds of hours of um, of recording of the Poltercom. He would spread them out, chop them up, do whatever, and um, and then put them in the app. And so when you are listening to the app, you don't know what really what you're going to get. It's almost a randomized thing as well. It's not coming from internet radio or, or anything like that. Um, and every once in a while, I also will record another session. I'll keep sending him continuous sessions of the Poltercom just to kind of... The main goal behind it was not really... Yes, you can use it as a communication tool. And people have emailed me like, wow, you're not going to be able responses. And again, I don't know how it really works, so that might work. But the main goal behind developing this app was just to give people a feel and a sound of how the Poltercom works. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you And you, your Poltercom, uh, it, that's a, a big product, and uh, it's it's definitely a, it's an investment, um, and it's probably well worth it. They look cool as shit. Um, <laughs> like, you, you see these other... Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> boxes out there, and, and it's like a wood box, and and they serve their purpose, right? But man, you—they uh-huh. have this like 
like really cool um uh, design to it and um and it's uh i can't think of it. it's it's getting late now <laughs> what's the term oh my goodness can't think of the, name of the design you could probably come up with it oh come on oh my goodness uh, well for the Punchercom, I came up with more of like a Victorian Gothic design. As far as uh, you know, you wanted to look, steampunk kind of steampunk. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. The word. <laughs> <laughs> I, a lot of my equipment is steampunk. I kind of uh, that's yeah. kind of my go-to for everything. Yeah, no, it's, but it's, uh, steampunk has, is cool. uh, yeah. Sorry, oh, go ahead. I was just thinking, you know what an old Vitrola is. It's that record player that you crank. You know, and yeah. Then, yeah, well, I have I probably have five or six of those just for my antique business. But what I did is I have a really cool Vitrola, and it it sat out in my living room for a while. It always gave me this really freaky vibe, right? And and uh, it started spinning one day. Like I, it had a crank in it, but you have to switch it. But anyway, it it turned on by itself one day. I'm like, holy shit! So anyway, what I did is I put this Vitrola in CAD. And that's what the Poltercom, the lower portion of that Poltercom is an exact copy of, of that, my Vitrola that's sitting here in my living room. And then I designed everything else, you know, uh, around that. So, yeah, that's kind of where I got that design from. After 100, which will be coming up probably at the end of this year, um, I'm going to totally redesign it. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I mean, it Guys, you just need to check out his stuff. I mean, you you have the periscope, and then you add the plasma to it, um, <clears throat> which I think is a great add. Um, there, there's uh, quite a few investigators. They'll go and they'll add things like a, a one of those plasma screens, or uh, or even um, see. I can't think of these words right now because. <sighs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Those those uh. Those balls, electric balls, right? With the electricity that... Oh, my gosh. I need to go to bed. <laughs> I can't think of it because you can't think of it. <laughs> what the fuck is that called? Yeah. Anyway, you touch it and it shocks you. Sends the electricity out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See? You touch it in the electrical um, stream. You can see the electrical stream kind of go and you follow follows you around the globe. Right? Yeah. I think it's called plasma ball. Plasma ball. That's the way. That's the ticket. Yep. So, it, it kind of is that kind of like the same type of idea as the like yeah. the the plasma. Okay. So, and yeah. that's that's kind of what I thought it was. I personally don't have that device. That's because I have the periscope. But mm-hmm. that just brings a whole other level of it. I have a teammate that loves bringing the plasma ball on investigations, and um, I definitely understand why. And plus. Um, we have all this equipment and I like to think of sometimes, uh, our equipment gives the energy to spirit. Sometimes spirit takes the energy without permission, but when you have things like the plasma ball, you're putting the energy out there and, um, almost like you're offering it here, use this so that we, you can have more energy to speak with us instead of taking it from our devices that we need to speak with you. So yeah, I don't know. Just kind of like a theory, the plasma, right? <laughs> right, yeah. The, the plasma, it, it, so basically it's a 360 periscope with a plasma disc on top of it. Yeah. Um, what you want to do, what I do with them, is I charge the atmosphere for like five or ten minutes by turning the disc on. 
and then I'll put it on either sensor mode or I'll just turn it off completely and just see what the periscope does. You don't, you're not going to get communication out of it while the plasma disc is running, obviously, through the periscope because it's shooting out massive amounts of static electricity. So, you know, if you have them going at the same time, the periscope is just going to sit there lit up. Um, but if you do put it on, on the sensor mode, which turns the plasma disc off until it hears sound or it detects static electricity, either one of those two happen, it's going to light up both. But generally what I do is I just turn it on for a few minutes, and then go to periscope mode and see what happens. And I've gotten some pretty good things with it. That's awesome. And, and most awesome. of your stuff is very reasonably priced. And the only reason why I say most of it is because, you know, the, the more expensive things, it, um, and, and rightfully so, um, like your um, the the way that you make your, your spirit boxes and, and everything, it's more than just a hacked radio, like you said, and an amplifier. So um, when you have the um, when you have something that's more sophisticated, like your Poltercoms, um, then yeah, it's going to be more expensive. But you have you have a Solo X hotspot camera that's one hundred fifty nine dollars, guys. A camera with a uh, with illuminator attached to it that's not a bad price at all. Not the, at all. The ReVP that's um, one hundred thirty nine ninety nine. I have uh, my RT recorder that I use costs more than that. Um, so that's great. The the Poltercom Pico, you said it's $129. Actually, it's on the website, $20 off, $129.99, right? Yep, yep, intro price that I'm putting out at, yeah. That's awesome. And, I mean, it just goes on and on. The, the, the Periscope, the original Periscope, that's only 80 bucks. I mean, that, that right there, guys, this should be your next piece of equipment if you don't have a 360 already. Should at least have a periscope for eighty bucks. That was my first piece. So, um, I don't the electric—that's the handheld version of the periscope that's gotten yeah. really popular. Uh, you, you know, it aired on Ghost Adventures a while back, and it just blew up from there. I think it's only thirty-nine, maybe forty-nine. Well, that's a handheld periscope. So yeah, yeah. get that, um, and it. For me, you know, I'm an investigator, and uh, I I have a family, and it's hard to really afford stuff. So, so if you have the stuff, if you can't afford a, a 360 or the plasma, it doesn't go with one of these less expensive ones. They work just as well, and um, it you'll you'll be happy with them. And I mean, with the I, I'm I'm seriously looking at this Poltercom myself. Um, because I, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to get more into the ITC, um, aspect. Honestly, I break out my, um, my ITC devices when I'm not getting interaction. Um, and this actually, the way that this works with everything, it kind of makes me want to try it more. Um, so yeah, guys, I mean, this, this, and the stuff looks cool. So if you guys aren't familiar, go onto his website. It's literally paranologies.com. Uh, I posted the link uh, on the on the um, on our page. I've posted it in the um, the event page. So you guys should be able to find it. If not through us, just uh, just Google it, and it will come up. But paranologies.com, and you guys will find that. 
and on his website he uh, he mentioned his blog it's right there his groups um, he's got groups on here um, that you can check all this stuff out it's a really neat website so it's more than just shopping for uh, equipment there's actually um, inf- good information there's um, good topics here in the blog and uh, he's got a whole his instructional videos for everything too um, so which is really neat so yeah and I wanted to point out that on all of my devices I offer lifetime warranty um, because I understand I could make my stuff a whole lot stronger and just put it in plastic boxes and, and they're probably never going to break but I understand because I'm putting an artistic aspect to it they're going to break so if you have a periscope with all those nice tubes on there and you drop it down some stairs or anything like that, and it happens. Uh, you email me, I give you an address, you send it to me, and I fix it and send it right back. And that goes with anything. Poltercom, you drop a Poltercom. It's going to take me a little while to fix it, but everything's covered under the lifetime warranty. That's awesome. You stand by your product 100%. Yeah. You don't see that too often. So that's awesome. So um, here it is, 10.05 um, Eastern, anyways. It's probably about 9 o'clock your time. Um, Is there anything that you would like to um, put out there? Um, How can people find you? I I know I gave your website, um, but how else can people find your products? Uh, Do you have anything else that you'd like people to know about? Any events or anything? Yeah, um, actually, I have a couple events coming up. I have one, uh, and I will post these on my Facebook personal page. That's probably the easiest way. I do a lot of stuff on my personal page. I I need to do more on my Paranologies page. But if you go to uh, Facebook forward slash Jeremy Jones, it's spelled J-E-R-O-M-Y, J-O-N-E-S, that's me. It has these little creepy dolls walking across my profile picture. Um, Find me there. You can message me. Uh, I get quite a bit of messages a day, but I'll get to you. But uh, that's where you're going to see my cool live feeds of new products, uh, events, things like that. I have an Oklahoma event coming up in September, this month rather. We have uh, History Haunts and Legends in Jefferson, Texas, which is one of my favorite towns to investigate around here. Uh, That's November. And then I have a couple more radio shows I'm doing that I'll be posting. But as far as uh, new exciting gear coming out, I do have a piece called the Roboscope. This is going to be cool. It has uh, an array of microphones around this thing, eight of them. And then on top, it has a a motor that has a laser pointer on it. Well, here's how it works. Basically, if we had this thing in the middle room and I'm talking, this laser pointer is going to know... Uh, where to point because the microphone nearest me is going to be the loudest. So it uses a little microprocessor to determine where these sounds are coming from. Well, the paranormal aspect of it is if we're sitting in a room and we're absolutely quiet, have you ever been in a room and you hear banging and everybody's like, where'd that come from? You know, on a wall. Mm-hmm. The robots spin around and point exactly where that banging came from. Oh. Or better yet, um, better yet, it's going to have the microphones on it that can pick up whispers and EVPs. So let's say you ask a question, it's going to point to you because you're talking. And then all of a sudden, it, I've had this happen, all of a sudden it spins to a direction where there's nobody there. Um, you know, so it, it can pinpoint EVPs 
get to the point of banging, knocking, but it's going to be my next coolest device. It's called the Roboscope, and um, uh, I've already got the prototype. I'm just getting more uh, research on it. Uh, that's awesome, because awesome. I'll tell you it's what. Really cool. Yeah, really cool, right? How many times are we on investigation and people are whispering? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be an awesome and then, um Other than that, um, yeah, I'm, I develop pieces. I try to put out about two or three new pieces a year, um, but it, it really all depends on my research. If I'm doing an investigation and I want something developed just for that investigation, not only am I going to use it for myself, but I'm going to put it out to the public. So who knows what's going to happen? That's awesome. Oh, yeah. You're always coming up with cool stuff, Jeremy. Always. <laughs> Man, I appreciate it. Even, even the headset he has on for our podcast is awesome. That was that was, that was hand-built, too, I'm assuming, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, this is all. <laughs> so, that's awesome. That's super yep. cool, man. So, um, you had mentioned, of course, you're an investigator, and I think that's one of the reasons why your equipment is so great. Um, and I've noticed that uh, a lot of the equipment that I really like are designed and built by investigators who are out there in the field. Um, and uh, so, with that, what you mentioned, there's a location that's by you that's your favorite uh, location to investigate. Now, this is like the atypical like question on every podcast. What is your <laughs> favorite location that you've investigated? Uh, now, as far as a location that others can get into, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Thousands of people said this. Stanley Hotel. I've been there several times. I have never gotten the amount of activity um, out of a single location that I have out of there. Activity that is just, a matter of fact, uh, I think the first time I went there was in 2004. And that's one of my best EVPs I've ever captured. I remember reviewing at home, uh, on the way home, we were driving home. And I had to pull over and just. It just come to the realization that it that it's all real. Like it, I, I have to dig in deeper because this EVP was a, of a little girl, and I know for a fact I was, I had um, I had the entire wing rented out for a convention I was doing, and it was mine. Nobody was there yet, and I'm in this room, and this EVP I caught. Um, it said, "I'm dead," and it was so clear, just "I'm dead." And to me, that answered all my questions. You know, are you still conscious after death? Uh, can you speak with me after you're dead? And so that location, I've got videos and videos of, of the Stanley Hotel. That's my go-to. Now, as far as it, anywhere, if it, uh, I did a location um, in Walnut Springs, Texas, that was, um, we helped this family out for five years. And actually, Animal Planet, when they had their series called The Haunted. They did a whole episode on it. I was in it, and, and the family was in it. It was called You Must Die Tonight. So you can Google that. Just You can just type in You Must Die Tonight, and it's going to pop up. And they still air it to this day on, on Discovery Channel and Animal Planet. But that house there, uh, the, the owners don't live there anymore because of the stuff that's happened. But 
I have never had such personal experiences and um, such poltergeist activity. That poltergeist activity is my go-to for my investigations. That's, that's what I mainly research. And um, this house, my God, it, it was it was something else. And I, like I said, I spent five years there, and it never disappointed. It, it was crazy. They had the crew from Paranormal State come out when that show was there. Um, during my episode of, of the haunted and they kind of tried to clean the place out and it didn't work. Um, it did for a while, of course, like most hauntings, but they ended up having to move out and I say, I still stay in contact with some of the family of that place, but that was my research like facility for a lot of my pieces of equipment that I developed throughout the years. Now, I think we're talking back in um, this had this is probably ten years ago, seven to ten years ago. So it's been quite a while, but that's that's my number one go to place. And then Jefferson, Texas, that I mentioned earlier, they have so many haunted locations out there. It's not even funny. You know? It's a haunted hotbed out there. There's ghost tours every weekend. Um, it's one of the oldest cities uh, for, for bed and breakfasts there there are, and it's just. Yeah, the, the history out there is, is amazing as well. But So I guess to answer your question, as far as places that people know, it would be the family. That's awesome. All right, cool. Uh, and it's always neat to hear about other locations that are in other parts of the country that that I, you know, we don't really get to as often, you know. Um, and I didn't even know it's been so long since I've seen that that show that I I forgot that you were on that show. So now I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago, man. It was oh man, it's it, it's uh that's it's so cool to be a part of something like that, and you really got to help those people. I mean, even though they ended up moving out, I mean, but sometimes there just isn't anything you can do. Um, I mean, it, there's just certain locations that I think of and certain homes that I've investigated I couldn't imagine living in. And I grew up in a home that was pretty active too. So, um, yeah, to, but to, to be able to help people, that's, that's, that's why I think a lot of people do this and that's what got me into doing this. So that's, that's awesome that you had that opportunity and it's even more cool that you doing that led to you building such awesome equipment and making all of this um, research available to us investigators. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem at all. Um, so with all that, man, thank you so much for calling on, coming on the show mm-hmm. um, it, and spending so much time with us. We, we talked Absolutely. about a lot of your equipment. And uh, I, I hope that um, our listeners really stay tuned and, and listen. And we have Halloween coming. We have National Ghost Hunt Day coming up. Um, there's, uh, you know, we need we need our new equipment for these things coming up. So, so guys, uh, put Paranologies on your list. And if you don't get anything new, make sure you have something on your Christmas list so so you can get some great new equipment. And so with that, John, did you have anything you wanted to add? 
No, I think you covered all the bases. We both love Jeremy, and thank you to Sean for introducing me to Jeremy's equipment because it is some of my favorite equipment to use. Um, just like Sean said, everybody go check out paranologies.com and um, check it out because it's really, really cool equipment, and you can't get it anywhere else. It's it's worth worth the investment. Yeah, thank both you guys. I always support, uh, appreciate y'all's support as well, too. Absolutely. No problem. No problem at all. Uh, and in the paranormal community, uh, we need to support each other. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast is to help support the uh, paranormal community, whether if we're helping get information out there or whether if we are helping uh, promote. Um, I come from a team, Activision Paranormal, that uh, took a lot of promotion. I know it's a lot of work and it can get to be very expensive. John is starting a team. He's about to find out how much fun all that is. Um, oh, yeah. It's detrimental. And it's detrimental to people like you with your equipment and um, and everything. We So we have a fun, positive way to bring people onto our show and help promote. Yes, that is you, the listeners. If you have something to promote, <laughs> please contact us. We want to promote you. We want to help you out, and we want to have fun doing it. You can contact us on Facebook through our Facebook page. You can contact me personally through my Facebook page or John. Uh, you can contact him personally on his Facebook page. Um, if you'd rather email me, you can email me at ompr330.com. That's Oscar Michael Romeo. Oh, see, I messed that up. <laughs> it's <laughs> OMPR Oscar Michael Papa Romeo 330.com check it out or 330gmail.com I need to go to bed I can't even see my freaking <laughs> email address for my paranormal team that is my paranormal team Ohio Metaphysics Paranormal Research 330.com so yeah I'm going to stop <laughs> rambling and I'm going to get myself some rest before I have to go work another 10 hour shift tomorrow while uh, Jeremy is uh, fun fiddling with his new equipment that he's building for us to use on our investigations. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Um, so with that, we will close this out. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, man, it's been a blast tonight. And uh, we will see you guys next week. And actually, here, since we're talking about next week, and I have... My phone last week I tried to do this and uh, I had a brand new phone and my apps weren't working quite yet. But again, I'm tired and I'm rambling. Um, so next week uh, we have um, Joe Dutt. He's uh, from a local team, uh, Team Spectre. They have some awesome uh, uh, public ghost hunts and cool events coming up that we want to help promote. Um, in the Akron area. So uh, it's going to be another great show. It's going to be a lot of fun. So good night, everybody. And we will see you guys next week. See you guys.